Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri uh, with Matthew O'Han. I'm sorry, Jimmy G just tagged out. I was about to say Jimmy G because Jimmy G just dominated the uh, stump the G. Uh, three for three this week, and I cranked up the degree of difficulty and uh, got this text message from Brad in Beaconsfield, who's texting us at 11690, who says, Mr. Alfieri, please be aware Jimmy G is a master at drawing tips from the questionnaire of uh, trivia questions or the questioner, sorry, of trivia questions. Do not fall prey to his shenanigans. And of course, I did give Jimmy a couple of hints. Uh, but for the most part, Jimmy actually got the questions right uh, on his own. So, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening next week. Uh, but actually, I'm. I'll take this opportunity to tell you that Saturday sports is uh, going on hiatus just for a little bit uh, because the CF Montreal season is starting. I'll be calling the games for CF Montreal with Grant Needham, who's going to join us uh, just after 1235. Uh, so we'll talk a little soccer uh, with Grant. But uh, at the same time, uh, we will still be on the air. It's just not going to be in the form of Saturday sports for the next little while. We'll be back. I don't know exactly when, uh, but uh, we will be back. Uh, Eli Rogers, a receiver for the Alouettes. Uh, we're still trying to get a hold of him. This is a strike two for Eli. We've tried to get him on the program a couple weeks ago, uh, and that didn't work out. So I want to go back to the Saturday sports question of the day, which you can find on TSN 690 while we wait for Eli Rogers to call in. Uh, if you can only have one of these things for the Habs, what would it be? Your options are trade before Monday at 3 p.m. or recall Cole Caulfield after his two goal. What is his performance last night? Uh, he's got another game coming up today against the same Toronto Marlies in Toronto. Uh, you can watch it on RDS beginning at three o'clock. What does he have in store for the Marlies today? I'm not sure how you can follow that up last night, but at the same time, uh, expect the unexpected with this guy. I mean, the, 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 the adaptation for one game anyway, uh, ended up being very, very smooth. Uh, but like we mentioned with JP O'Connor, uh, before, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Marlies and other teams that he's going to eventually play against adapt to Caulfield and it's going to see how he it's going to be interesting to see how he can adapt back uh and get things going so uh Cole Caulfield uh, was successful debut right now. Uh, trade before Monday, 3 p.m. is leading the way at 54%. Recall Caulfield uh, is at 46%. Uh, JP brought up an interesting point. I was looking at uh, the Laval Rocket schedule, and there is a stretch. So they have, they're playing, uh, they played in Toronto last night. They're playing Toronto this afternoon in Toronto. Uh, and then Thursday and Sunday, they're playing the Marlies here in Montreal, uh, so that we'll have both games for you on TSN 690, by the way, with Sean Campbell and J.P. O'Connor. But then, uh, after, so that's the 15th and the 18th. After the 18th, there's a, there's 12 days between games. So they don't play again until they play, surprise, surprise, Belleville uh, on April the 30th. So that might give the if, if Again, if the, this is assuming that things continue to go well for Caulfield uh, with the Laval Rocket, and I don't see why they wouldn't. I'm not saying that it's going to be two goals and an assist and three points every night, um, but at the same time, if you're looking at that gap, uh, the Canadians play five games uh, in the time that the uh, that the Rocket are off. So they play, It's they're all on the road too, so he would have to be on this road trip because they play on the 17th, which is next Saturday, they play in Ottawa, and then the Canadians have... Games, two games in Edmonton and three games in a row in Calgary uh, between the 19th and the 26th. Uh, so 
yeah, there's an opportunity to get a call up there, assuming that things go well for him uh, in that uh, in the in that time frame. But uh, he does have a limited amount of games to impress with the Rocket. But at the same time, he's already started impressing. So uh, I'm curious to see how, how the Canadians handle this situation and how they handle him. We know they've been aggressive with young players. And so uh, with no Brendan Gallagher, yes, Armia is coming back, skated this morning. Uh, looks like he's making progress. And we'll hear uh, from uh, Canadians head coach Dominic Ducharme in just a second here as he addressed uh, the injuries to uh, Price, Sherratt, uh, and Armia. But even then, you're missing one of your top goal scorers in Gallagher. They may be tempted. If they keep on losing these close games, playing well and falling short by a goal, uh, they may be tempted uh, to bring up Caulfield and that wicked one-timer, especially uh, on the man advantage. All right. Uh, the Canadians had a morning skate. They're making a significant lineup change. Victor Mete's coming out tonight. Otto Leskinen's coming in. Uh, we mentioned the injury update. This is uh, not live. It's plausibly live. This is Dominic Ducharme uh, a little bit earlier on this morning uh, after the morning skate. The Canadians will take on the Winnipeg Jets at 7 o'clock on TSN 690. Here's the interim head coach. Paul, allô, Dominique. De toute évidence, l'Eskinan va prendre la place de Mété, selon ce qu'on a vu à l'entraînement ce matin. Est-ce que tu peux me confirmer? Et si c'est le cas, qu'est-ce que tu veux voir de lui? C'est son premier match cette année. Ça serait seulement son sixième match d'expérience dans la Ligue nationale. Oui, il va être dans la Ligue ce soir. Ce qu'on veut voir, on veut voir... Utiliser ses outils comme, euh, comme il fait avec le Rocket. Il a eu euh, un excellent début de saison. Euh, euh, il était constant, il patine bien, euh, il bouge bien la rondelle. Euh, défensivement, euh, il fait du bon travail aussi. Donc, euh, on, veut, on veut voir euh, où il est rendu. Alexandre Gascon. Oui, salut Dominique. Ben, on a vu Ben Charrot et euh, Yoel Armia patiner un peu avant le, le reste de l'équipe. Peux-tu nous donner un peu un update sur euh, ces gars-là, sur euh, Price dans Kayak aussi, là, faire un peu de réseau? Dans les trois cas, euh, euh, on s'approche de plus en plus d'un retour. Donc, euh, on va évaluer là, dans la prochaine semaine euh, qu'est-ce qui va arriver. Mais euh, on s'attend que les choses progressent bien pour les trois. Martin McGuire. Euh, Dominique, euh, vous continuez avec Kotkaniemi à l'aile droite. Euh, du moins, c'est ce que nous donnaient les exercices, à moins que tu aies choisi de faire les choses différemment pour le match. Puis euh, Encore là, à moins que j'ai fait erreur, mais euh, Toffoli a été replacé euh, à gauche sur tes trios. Euh, si si je n'ai pas fait erreur en regardant ce qui s'est passé, est-ce que tu peux nous expliquer un petit peu la réflexion là-dessus, poursuivre avec Kotkaniemi puis le déplacement de Toffoli, si c'est le cas? Oui, mais euh, Kéké joue du, beau, euh, du bon hockey avec, euh, avec Phil et euh, Tuna. Donc, euh, on, on va regarder ça comme ça. On s'attend à ce que. On, on, on a des joueurs qui vont être de retour euh, euh, durant la semaine prochaine. Donc, euh, on va voir à ce moment-là ce qu'on va faire. Mais euh, je trouve qu'il y a eu un bon match au dernier match. Euh, Amener euh, Toffoli avec. Euh, changer dans le fond Toffoli et euh, Anderson. Euh, je veux voir ce que ça va donner. Euh, ils l'ont fait un peu en troisième période. Vu que c'est deux droitiers, euh, Tyler va retourner à gauche, mais euh, c'est trois joueurs avec euh, beaucoup d'intelligence. Euh, c'est certain qu'ils euh, n'ont pas un marchand de vitesse comme Anderson avec eux autres. Mais euh, les trois ensemble, euh, de la façon qu'ils pensent le jeu, 
on, on a hâte de voir comment ça va réagir. Simon Olivier. Salut Dominique. Euh, votre avantage numérique, on en a parlé un peu, euh, comme assez à plat depuis le retour de, la, de, la, de votre pause COVID. Quel genre d'ajustement vous pouvez apporter pour justement le, le, avoir un genre de quick fix, si on veut, dans la mesure où ça allait si bien avant la pause et que là, présentement, ça ne fonctionne pas du tout? Là. Ben, ça ne fonctionne pas du tout. Ben, pas, ça marche, ça fonctionne peu, disons, depuis le retour. Disons-le comme ça. Euh, non, ça ben, la première des choses, on a eu, on a eu trois pénalités là, dans les derniers matchs quand on a l'avantage numérique. Tu sais, au dernier match, on, on s'enlève quasiment une minute. Euh, une minute, une minute dix d'avantage numérique. Euh, le reste, le reste euh, sur l'autre avantage numérique, puis euh, le début de, de l'autre, on, on, j'ai mis notre façon de réagir. On a, on a fallu frapper à bord horizontale. Euh, euh, Suzuki avait une excellente chance qui a frappé le gardien qui, qui, qui était par terre. Donc, Surtout, là, euh, c'est pas si compliqué que ça. C'est plus dans notre vitesse d'exécution, c'est dans notre euh, façon de mettre de la pression sur les rondelles libres ou quand l'adversaire récupère la rondelle pour se donner des deuxièmes chances. C'est ça qui, qui nous a donné du succès. C'est ce rythme-là, cette intensité-là, cette exécution-là rapide qui nous donne du succès, donc on se concentre là-dessus. Puis il faut essayer de faire, faut arrêter de, de se tirer dans le pied en, en prenant des punitions quand on est sur l'avantage numérique. Marpin? Uh, hey Dom, did you, uh, did you watch the game last night? And if so, did you, what did you think of, uh, what were your first impressions of Caulfield? I think the kid can score goals. <laughs> But I, I mean, uh, yeah, you can see it. I mean, he's special around the net. He, The kid can shoot the puck for sure. So, you know, it was the first game. He did he did a, a lot of good things. And uh, it's good to see that uh, he can be adjusting. Uh, they're playing again today. So, uh, yeah, the, that's not a bad way to start. John Lou. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so, Dom, I'm just wondering, has the swelling in Brendan's hand gone down enough to uh, give you a clearer idea of whether surgery will be required? Um, and what his potential timeline will be for re returning? Uh, not yet. We'll know uh, more uh, early next week. Eric Engels. Hey, Dom, what's what's the main adjustments you'd like to see your team make tonight? Not shoot ourselves in the foot. Like, we hurt ourselves uh, on things that we know, that we control. So, uh, that's... And that's that's the mental part that I'm talking about, and that we need to become consistent. That it's not uh, because overall, you look at the 60 minutes. I thought we played well, uh, but we uh, shoot ourselves in the foot, and we pay cash, and and that we control. So those are the things that. We, need to, we just need to clean our game that way. On veut juste reprendre Martin. Je pense qu'il veut des commentaires en français sur Cole Caulfield. Martin? Oui, merci, Dominique. Si tu voulais répéter pour vos amateurs francophones ton appréciation puisque tu as remarqué de Cole Caulfield hier, si c'est possible. 
Mais ça, c'est clair que euh, c'est un marqueur. On l'a vu, euh, les chances qu'il y a eu, ça, ça, ça part rapidement son bâton, il trouve, euh, il trouve le filet. Il euh, n'y a aucun doute là-dessus. Euh, S'il y a quelqu'un qui, qui doutait qu'il pouvait marquer des buts, euh, c'est un, un bon exemple. Euh, c'est un bon ajustement pour lui, euh, premier match comme ça. Donc, euh, il joue encore euh, cet après-midi. C'est important de, de continuer à, pour lui de, de progresser là-dedans puis euh, euh, faire ce qu'il fait de mieux. Merci à tous. Bon match. Yeah. That was funny. That's Dominic Ducharme, interim head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, talking about uh, Cole Caulfield and the injury. So uh, the good news is that Price, Sherrod, and Armia continue to progress. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was funny. Arpen Basso asked him about how, uh, you know, if what were his impressions of Caulfield last night. Yeah, he can score. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, it's a really deep analysis, but I think you get the point. You get the message that everybody in the organization is uh, thrilled uh, at the way the uh, Caulfield debut went. And uh, listen, again, the game today, he's playing the Marlies again at 3 o'clock. That game's on RDS. I'm going to be sitting down. I want to watch. I want to see what can he do uh, for an encore. Uh, and I know that most eyes were focused on Cole Caulfield last night, but there were some amazing things that happened in Major League Baseball that you may have missed. I'm talking about something historic. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 69. Ground ball to shortstop. Kim will go to first. The San Diego Padres get their first no-hitter in the history of the franchise. And it belongs to San Diego's own Joe Musgrove. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Matthew O'Han with you till 1 o'clock. And uh, Matthew, I realized that uh, we didn't formally welcome you to the show. What's going on, man? How are you doing? It's very rude of you, I must say. It's all right. That that's the angle. That's what I was going for. Yeah, it's that's par. It's par for the par for. for the course with you. Ah, no, I'm doing well, well. Look at you. I'm doing well. How about Good. you, Joe? Uh, How's the show been uh, in the first hour? It, the first hour was amazing, and the second hour is not off to uh, the greatest of starts. But we're going to make it work, and uh, that has nothing to do with uh, you tagging in for Jimmy G. So you haven't blown it just yet. Uh, but did want to talk a little bit of baseball. I know everyone was paying attention to the Laval Rocket game. Honestly, I was too, uh, and I was a little bit behind because I was watching off PVR. Uh, so I didn't necessarily get to keep uh, as close an eye on baseball until uh, I got a little notification later on in the night that uh, something special was going on. But Joe Musgrove, if you're a casual baseball fan, you probably don't know who that is. A uh, pitcher for the San Diego Padres uh, comes away with a no-hitter. And the first one, I didn't realize, to be honest with you, that the Padres were the last team in baseball uh, to not have a no-hitter in franchise history. And how cool is that? He's 28, San Diego native, and he throws the first no-hitter in uh, in Padres history and he came I mean he was incredibly close I think the only uh, the only guy who got on base was Joey Gallo and he was hit by a pitch so that was it I, it was a really impressive pitching performance for Musgrove and I think uh, the thing that kind of uh, I, I don't know if it's pleasantly surprising but the thing that was impressive to me in this day and age where it's all about the long ball and it's all about you know blowing the ball by hitters uh, it's you know the power game is very much uh, a dominant factor in, in baseball right now. Uh, I was reading where uh, his average pitch velocity was 86.3 miles per hour, 30% slider, 25% cutter, and 25% curveball. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. And he still got 15 strikeouts. And, uh, and, and look, I think it's interesting because San Diego, again, it's one of those teams, it's a smaller market. It's not necessarily... Uh, if you don't, you know, if you don't have a horse in the race, it's probably not a team that you're paying attention to very much. Uh, but they've got some players, and of course, the big name players. Fernando Tatis Jr. is 
is on the injured list right now. Uh, so he's out. He's been out. But they still have guys like Manny Machado, former top prospects, guys like Eric Osmer, uh, Will Myers. You know, they've got some players. And uh, they also have um, on the pitching staff Blake Snell, who, of course, uh, famous for being pulled out of that uh, World Series game last year with Tampa Bay. He's now in San Diego. Uh, and you, Darvish, is out there, too. Uh, so the rotation, I mean, this is a pretty good team. The team that's off to a 5-3 and three start. I don't know how... It ends up playing out between them uh, and the L.A. Dodgers there. Um, but still, a very impressive, very moving moment uh, for Joe Musgrove, a San Diego kid who pitches the first no-hitter in uh, in Padres history. Uh, the other guy, I call him must-see TV in baseball. There's no other baseball player today uh, that can get me to tune in and stick with a baseball game more than Shohei Otani. On Sunday Night Baseball, he hit that moonshot, that rocket to center field. Uh, last week, uh, this week, he's not going to pitch this weekend because I think he's dealing with a blister on his pitching hand, uh, but he stepped up to the plate last night against the Toronto Blue Jays, and he made a serious impact. This kid is must-see TV. Must-see TV. So very strong. Keeps his hands back. Hits a high fly ball. Well struck to right field. Up. Nearly out of here. High off that wall. One. Two, three Angels will score. Technically, that man was just fooled by the pitch, and still, he nearly hit it out. That was nothing. Yeah, that was a bases-clearing double uh, for Shohei Otani. Uh, he also hit a solo home run, went two for five, four RBIs, and a home run in uh, that win over the Blue Jays last night. Again, I'm just I'm fascinated by somebody who can hit as well as he does and pitch as hard as he does. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have to pick between one or the other. I hope he doesn't, but physically, uh, it might be just a little bit too demanding for not just him, uh, but for anybody. You look at the last couple of years, uh, only had two starts last season. Uh, only had he didn't pitch in 2019, and then only had 10 in 2018. So physically, it's a little bit difficult. But when he's pitching. And when he's hitting and he's on, I mean, he's must-see TV. I don't know that there's any other baseball player that I'd prefer to watch, Matty. Yeah, it's it's honestly very impressive. because I don't even know when the last time we saw a player like this, because it's always exciting whenever a pitcher hits a home run or has power behind the bat. But, like, have we ever seen a pitcher like this? In, well, uh, certainly not see, in my lifetime. Yeah, no, I think, look, I, I mean, obviously everyone's natural inkling is to go back to Babe Ruth, but I think even he picked one, right? So uh, the the one guy who, he's he's not necessarily a household name, but I remember he was, uh, he was a pitcher, he was a starting pitcher for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, moved on to Cincinnati. His name is Micah Owings, and I just remember him, he was a pitcher first, and he wouldn't, you know, I think they'd bring him into pinch hit on occasion, but he wouldn't hit on days where he wasn't pitching like Otani does. But eventually, Owings had a hard time finding the plate, and they converted him to an outfielder. And I don't remember how well that went. I just I remember I liked him as a pitcher, and then the mechanics failed him, and it didn't end up working out. But he was a pitcher who was also a really, really good hitter. And obviously not to this degree. I just hope that we don't have to see Otani pick one of the two uh, because... At the end of the day, this is so unique. He's such a unicorn in today's, you know, today's day and age that I hope that he finds a way to get it done. He's still relatively young. He's 26 years old, uh, but he's he's fun to watch. And, and in a sport that's just that's dying for some type of excitement outside of strikeouts and home runs, he certainly gives you strikeouts. He certainly gives you home runs. He gives you both. So that what that's what kind of makes him unique. Yeah, it's it, and like you said, like I'm not the 
biggest, biggest baseball fan. Like, it's not always must-see TV for me, but right. it, it's always, whenever I see a highlight package of, of Shohei Otani, I, my eyes are, whatever I'm doing while I'm watching SportsCenter or whatever, it, it's just, it immediately yeah. stops and my eyes are glued to the TV because yeah. if they're showing him, it's clearly because he did something incredible. Yeah. Did you have, like, because you're young, I'm not making a joke, but you're you're pretty young. What are you, 24? Do you yeah, have t- any recollection of the Expos? Like, do you? That's the thing is that, like, I only really started getting into sports when I think it was the Canadians, like, the first full season that I remember watching of any sport was the Canadians' right. uh, 2005 2006 season because right. I, I caught the back end of the uh, of the 2003 2004 playoffs and then they got yeah. eliminated, the lockout. So I, I, I don't really so have baseball, any. Baseball, they left in 04. Yeah, they left in 04. So yeah, I, I don't have, like, any memories that. of that. Yeah, so I mean, I think that affects the way that you would see baseball. And I think, listen, I think most people, I'm not going to lie to you, like the amount of games I've started and finished uh, are few and far between. But I'll tell you this, last Sunday night when he was pitching, uh, I was flipping between that and the Rocket game. But once I saw him take the mound in the first inning, like that was it, I was locked in. And then he came out after four and two thirds on Sunday. And then I was done with the baseball game. Once Otani came out, uh, I was done. So uh, he's fun. I I hope it works out. I hope he can stay healthy. Uh, But I'm starting to have my doubts. It's uh, time to talk a little soccer. Every MLS expert appears to have CF Montreal out of the playoffs this season. How can they shock the soccer world? My broadcast partner, Grant Needham, who knows a thing or two about scoring goals at the pro level, will tell us. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till uh, 1 o'clock with Matthew O'Han. Uh, we're just uh, trying to get a hold of Grant Needham here, who's uh, playing hard to get, clearly. Uh, but we'll be talking to our TSN 690 soccer analyst uh, momentarily. If you uh, missed the news yesterday, TSN 690 and CF Montreal have come to a two-year agreement on uh, on a broadcast deal. Uh, and it's going to be uh, me on play-by-play. Grant Needham is going to be my color analyst. And uh, we're going to bring you uh, CF Montreal soccer all season long. And outside of the games, I think we're just going to do more, try to get more involved uh, and bring you more information from the club. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for fans to have that feel uh, of uh, you know the club being around because they're not going to be around. They're not here. They're going to be in Miami uh, to start the year, and that's where the first home game is on April the 17th uh, against Toronto FC. So it's a Montreal-Toronto matchup, a home game for Montreal in Miami at Inter-Miami Stadium. So uh, we're really excited uh, about where the, uh, the CF Montreal season is going. And look, I think it's normal to be a little bit skeptical uh, about the club. The the branding hasn't gone over well with a lot of the fans. Uh, I personally, I mentioned already, I have no problem with the new logo, the new name or anything like that. The part that bothers me, I guess, in the name uh, is just that it's they, they use the slang, the foot part. Um, and it's, it's not that it reminds me of a foot, but it's just, I think if you want to be big time and you want to be corporate, I don't think you want to use slang in your, in your name. So I would have just preferred if they went with, you know, club de football, that would have been better in my mind, but I, I don't have an issue with the logo and I don't have an issue, uh, with the way the jerseys look or whatever. I'm, I'm fine with most of that stuff. I think my point is at the end of the day, what you're looking for is results, right? And, and to me. If you're a fan of the club, I, I certainly understand those who uh, feel an allegiance to the name impact, either, you know, whether if you're an alumni, if you work for the club in any capacity, even if you're just a fan, I realize that uh, you may be uh, heartbroken over the change because it's a name that was around for over 25 years. And when you think impact, you think soccer. 
in Montreal, right? But I think at the end of the day, if this club finds a way to shock the world, and most I'm looking at MLSsoccer.com, and most of the experts think that uh, Montreal is going to finish somewhere in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Seven teams get into the playoffs. And look, I think they have their work cut out for them if they're going to make the playoffs. But at the same time, there's so much unknown that it's really tough. I mean, how can you make a prediction or a positive prediction uh, about a, a soccer club if you don't know or you haven't seen the majority of the players play? And there's a couple of pieces that they've brought in uh, that I feel really, really strongly about. And uh, and the, the first one that kind of jumps out at me, the first one that comes to mind is... Uh, Bjorn Johnson is big um, American Norwegian striker plays for the Norwegian national team. And he's coming off a year where uh, his club, which was owned by Hyundai uh, in, uh, in South Korea, ended up winning uh, their, their championship. And he's moved around. He's bounced around from league to league a little bit, but I feel like given his size, he's a big boy. He's about six four, six five, and he can put the ball in the back of the net. And that was one of their big ticket acquisitions. Uh, another guy that can score, somebody that can help Romel Kyoto, who was clearly by far and away uh, the MVP of that team last year. You need somebody who can help him score. And, and I think if you're looking for somebody to gravitate to, if you're you know just starting to get into CF Montreal, or if you're into CF Montreal and you're looking for you know somebody of these newcomers. Uh, that you can root for and cheer for. I think they're all easy to root for. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on in the program, I did get to meet uh, a lot of the newcomers uh, when we recorded. Uh, there's a day we call it in the business is called the car wash day. But basically what it is, is that, you know, the players come through uh, your booth and you record those two minute interviews, uh, those two minutes with uh, that you might hear uh, play during the commercial breaks on the station. Uh, you hear some of those. And so that's what we recorded. It was a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, and a lot of the guys are just they're They're easy to like, easy to root for. And uh, Bjorn Johnson was one of those guys who, you know, usually you're supposed to keep a player around for about five, 10 minutes, but he was really, really uh, well-spoken, well thought out. Uh, and I'm excited uh, over the next couple of weeks here to have you hear the, uh, the different interviews, but I thought Bjorn Johnson was uh, really, really strong. And if he can put it all together and he can find that success in MLS, and, and I know he hasn't played in MLS before, but growing up in the States, having that, you know, that background and at least following MLS and paying attention to MLS, uh, I think that kind of helps with the adjustment because there are a lot of the guys that come over uh, from overseas, either from Europe or Asia or whatever that, you know, they get to MLS and it's a difficult adaptation for them uh, just because they've never um, seen the league or they don't really pay attention to what's going on in the league. And I think Bjorn Johnson gets... Um, I think he has a step up on those guys, on the regular newcomers, because he is a guy who grew up in the States uh, and has seen that. He's seen this brand of football before. So, uh, look, I, I think that's one guy uh, that you can easily gravitate towards. I think the other building block is uh, Georgi Mihailovic, played for the Chicago Fire uh, over the last couple of years, was a Chicago Fire Academy kid uh, among the assist leaders in Major League Soccer last year. And uh, just uh, the fire decided to move on. But he's a young player, uh, another guy who can play in an attacking midfield role uh, and more of a setup guy, obviously, than a trigger guy. But I think if you're if you're looking for guys to, to gravitate towards, there are players here. There are players here. And I realize that Montreal is very much a city uh, that roots for names uh, and that roots for um, events and, and they want to feel big time. But I think if you get if you end up getting behind this club, 
It's kind of going to be because there's a little engine that could. And, and most teams in MLS, they try to spend their way to championships. And oftentimes, like in most of the soccer world, it works. That That's what ends up happening. You spend a bunch of money and, and it happens. We've seen it with Toronto FC over the last couple of years, right? Atlanta United had some success as well, and they spend a lot of money. Montreal and Olivier Renard, their sporting director, they're going to try to do it differently. They're trying to invest in young players that they can develop, have them play. They hope the team ends up having success. And then once that happens, they'll sell the players off to different spots in different leagues, try to make a profit that way, reinvest some of the money into finding more talent. And the cycle goes on and on and on. And look, there are a lot of clubs in world football that do this, but I think the advantage that you have in MLS and the reason why, if this is done correctly, and it's a big if, it can work in MLS because in most other leagues, there are no playoffs. It's you win your league by finishing first after the regular season. There's no knockout. There's none of that. That's saved for Champions League. That's that's different. Or for the domestic cups. That, that's, that's not the way world football works. So in MLS, if you finish sixth or seventh or fifth in your conference and you get hot at the right time, it's been done before, uh, you can win MLS Cup and not spend the most money just because you have that opportunity to not finish first and still win in the playoffs. And I know um, the players who've spent their careers in Europe find it extremely weird, but this is the way MLS works, and there's more parity this way. You have different teams that have an opportunity to win uh, year in and year out, and that's what Montreal is going to try to do. They're, they've surrounded them with so their, their young players, with some older guys, uh, not household names. Bjorn Johnson is one of them. He's a guy who's closer to 30, uh, but they do have a lot of young players. Another guy to keep an eye out on, um, I heard based on what I heard, the, the CF Montreal had a friendly against Tormenta FC. Uh, that's a USL club at the beginning of the week, and they end up losing 2-0, and uh, the, the match was closed, right? Like you couldn't watch it. You They were tweeting updates from the CF Montreal account, but you really didn't get much information uh, out of what was happening and Montreal ended up losing to a USL club 2-0 and a lot portion of the fan base and even some of the media was kind of freaking out but you have to keep in mind that this club and all their players not only did they switch up all their players but they also haven't all been together for it's I think we're going on four or five days here I think they left Montreal on Tuesday and yes they, they got to Florida on uh, on Tuesday afternoon Tuesday evening but the group has pretty much been split in two. So don't be surprised if uh, they have, a, they, I mean, if they don't come up with a good result, they play the Tampa Bay Rowdies tomorrow in their second and final preseason game. And don't be surprised if that result doesn't go their way. And then there is a chance that uh, things could be difficult for them early on in the season, right? There's a chance that uh, it takes time for this group to gel. And there's, I don't want to say a new coaching staff, but there's new coaches on staff. Uh, Wilfred Nancy's a first-time head coach. He's a young guy who's come through the academy and he's progressed literally step by step by step by step. So, I mean, it might take him some time uh, to figure out, you know, how to be a head coach. But I do think that there are some building blocks here. And maybe this ends up being a transition year, but I think there's an opportunity for there to be a little bit more this year than that. And they might shock the world. And that listen, it's not surprising. This market is not a big MLS market. Like I feel like the 
um, the the quote unquote MLS soccer experts they just they don't pay very close attention to Montreal as a city even when they had superstars uh, like Nacho Piatti or Marco Di Vaio. things changed when Didier Drogba got here because that's not a superstar that's like a megastar uh, but for the most part I feel like Montreal is just underrated no matter what and that's why I kind of feel like Nacho Piatti is one of the most underrated players in league history uh, just because he didn't play in a New York or Los Angeles or anywhere else he played in Montreal and uh, for the fans and the media in the states they just they don't play don't they don't pay close attention to this market so don't let you know if you're a cf montreal fans uh, don't let the the predictions concern you i mean montreal just always it seems that they sleep on montreal all the time uh, but look do they have their work uh cut out for them uh I, they definitely do uh, but at the end of the day, is there room for this group to surprise? I think there is. I think there's a lot of room uh, for the group to surprise. So we'll see what the uh, what the results end up uh, end up looking like when it's all said and done. The season starts on April the 17th. That's a game that you can hear on TSN690.ca uh, with myself and uh, Grant Needham because uh, the Canadians are playing. They do have a broadcast at the same time. They moved up the game next Saturday uh, to 4 p.m. So we are going online only for the first game. Uh, but we will uh, find a way uh, to bring you that game uh, by streaming it. But the rest of the games are all going to be on TSN 690, so you can listen to us bring you CF Montreal coverage all season long. The NHL trade deadline is set for Monday, 3 p.m. What should the Montreal Canadiens do? What are they most likely to do? We'll break that down for you next. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Matthew O'Hayan with you till 1 o'clock. And uh, just a reminder, if you're uh, listening and driving around uh, throughout the day, uh, we do have wall-to-wall uh, Masters update coverage for you. Matty O'Hayan, you're sticking around. You're going to be providing updates. And I know John Still and Jimmy G will continue to do so uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, so uh, if you're uh, in your car and you want those Masters updates, uh, you can catch them in the uh, sports centers uh, throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, it is Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. Do want to get to, I want to put the final touches on our uh, poll question of the day. If you could have only one of these things happen for the Habs, what would it be? A trade before Monday at 3 p.m. or to recall Cole Caulfield, the winner, well, I guess it's unanimous decision, but it was pretty tight. 54.5% of the people want uh, trade before Monday and 45.5% of the people want uh, Cole Caulfield to be recalled. I personally think uh, that both will likely end up happening, but at the same time, uh, I only asked you to pick one. So if you could only have one, uh, most people would prefer uh, getting a trade in. And, and I think Mark Bergevin will. It might. There might have to be some cap gymnastics, and it's tough to break down when you're not a cap expert. And I'm going off cap friendly. And cap friendly is just a beautiful website. It's terrific. It makes things simple. Uh, but it, it's tough to see you know, who they can fit, who they can't fit, and um, the amount of cap space that they might have. Deadline cap space is 1.6, a little a shade over $1.6 million uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So they could add somebody. I My preference, I think if they had their choice, I think that they'd maybe like to add a forward who could chip in offensively. Now, there's not a ton of those guys available to begin with. And then you know, to have somebody you can fit under the cap uh, with you know, the, that, that with the enough ability to be an upgrade on some of the guys you have on your roster now, it's going to be uh, more difficult. I think in all likelihood, you will see a depth, a depth defenseman. 
and I know that if you're looking at the uh, master trade bait board on uh, tsn.ca with Frank Cervalli always puts that together. Um, David Savard is uh, is an option in Columbus. I know he's been a healthy scratch over the last uh, over the last little while. He was a healthy scratch this week, so they're clearly going to move on from him. He's UFA uh, at the end of the year. Uh, and when it comes to defensemen, like Josh Manson is there. Uh, from Anaheim, but he's got a year remaining at 4.1 million. That's a hockey trade, so I don't think that's happening. I think Nashville is going to hold on to Ekholm. Uh, Vince Dunn is an interesting one. Uh, he's RFA at the end of the season. He's making 1.875 million this year, and just for whatever reason, it just seems uh, like the Blues don't want to commit long term to him just yet. Maybe that changes, but again, that could be a deal that happens in the off season as well. Uh, and Brandon Montour is the name I brought up. In the uh, first hour of the program, uh, I think he's a right-handed. Def- well, I know he's a right-handed defenseman, and I think that might be more of what they're looking for because they do have just the two righties uh, with Weber and Petrie. And if they want to keep Romanov on the left side, uh, you can. I mean, I think they're fine playing a lefty on the right side, like they had been with Victor Mete. Uh, but I do think that Montour is an upgrade. I don't know if they can make it happen. He's UFA at the end of the year, but he's young. He's 26. Uh, so maybe he, you know, you trade for him, he finds his game, and he's a guy that you commit to uh, a little bit more longer term in the offseason. But uh, I'm intrigued by the possibility of adding a guy uh, like uh, Brandon Montour. I think that's a nice fit if you can play him with Romanov. And then when Schrott gets healthy, I mean, you sort it out. But I think it's that ends up being a classy problem, right? And we've heard Mark Bergevin say you can never have too many defensemen. And who's to say that? With the way that the schedule is kind of built up here over the next couple of weeks, who's to say that somebody else doesn't go down with an injury and then you're right back to square one? So uh, I do think, again, my preference would have been to add a forward, but I just am looking at the names. I don't think that's going to be possible uh, given the cap space the Canadians have. So I do think that they'll probably add a fifth or sixth defense. But Matty, have you given it any thought what the Canadians might or might not do? Yeah, I think a trade is, uh, is the way to go because, I mean, like... <laughs> They're gonna like we're go, we're gonna likely see Caulfield in a Montreal Canadiens jersey this year. Uh, that I'm not gonna deny. But if I can only pick one, I'll say a trade because we've seen that they have the offensive depth. It's not exactly quality once guys start getting injured, but it's really that blue line that's really lacking. And I I, I don't think it it would be wise if you're still in that all-in mode like you were at the beginning of the season to make that push in the playoffs. I don't think it would be wise to be relying on players to be taking that next step mid-season from Laval to just step into the lineup and make an immediate impact at the NHL level. Yeah, I I think they're still very much all in, but I just, I don't know that it's going to be a a significant move. Um, But listen, uh, either they're they're banking on some internal growth from Romanov or they're going to add a depth body. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Um, between nine, they still have, I know they gave away two picks for stall, but I think they still have an abundance of, uh, of draft picks that they can use as collateral in, uh, in some of these moves that are going to be made before Monday. So I think they'll pull off, they'll pull off one deal. Would it, would it shock me if they didn't just cause they're getting a bunch of healthy bodies back? It wouldn't shock me either. Uh, but I do think that they maybe want to patch up some of that depth. I don't know that they're going to be able to make a hockey trade, but I think you'll see, uh, some new body, uh, jump into uh, the Montreal Canadiens here before Monday at 3 o'clock. All right, that's all the time we have for Saturday Sports on TSN 690. A reminder, if you missed the program, you want to catch it commercial-free, uh, you can download the podcast, which is uploaded as soon as the show is over. 
Uh, just search for Saturday Sports on TSN 690, uh, wherever you download your podcasts. And uh, thank you to Jimmy G. Thank you to Matthew O'Han. And uh, thank you to all of you for participating in the show via Twitter and on the text message board at 11690. Keep in mind that the Montreal Canadiens are playing the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Our, brad- our broadcast coverage begins at 5 o'clock puck drop just after 7 and uh, we'll see if the Montreal Canadiens can get back to their winning ways on TSN 690. Enjoy the weekend, everybody, and uh, keep it locked and loaded to TSN 690 for uh, Masters uh, updates throughout the weekend and also our Trade Center coverage on Monday. We go wall-to-wall, break down all things Montreal Canadiens and NHL. Have a great rest of your Saturday.